This is Mission Disco, a conversation about imagination, innovation and Christian mission in Ireland and beyond. I am Simon Kilpatrick. And I am Brian Sanders. We are your DJs for this conversation. Simon. Brian. Good to see you. Good to see you too. You look refreshed from your holiday. Is that true? Are you truly I, refreshed? I or- think it's probably just the, uh, the thing that Zoom does, you know, to change your face to make you look less tired. Are you using like uh, filters to look glamorous? <laughs> That's it, yeah. And uh, no, I do feel a little bit rested, all right, from holidays. We were uh, on our staycation uh, down in Cork. So good time. Good weather. Swam a good few times. I think I've swum more in the IRC um, this summer than I probably have since I was 15, I'd imagine. Is that because of the girls? I mean, did the girls go in too? Yeah, the girls were in lots. Yeah. And they wore wetsuits sometimes, but they were in lots snorkeling and stuff. Yeah, it was great. You had a little holiday as well. You're in Kerry. Yeah, a bit. Yeah. I'd say that's one of the advantages of kids is they make us do things uh, that are probably good for us that we may not otherwise do or bring out our child likeness. They do. Good for them. But yeah, it was good. It was just after, I suppose, a strange kind of summer. I don't know for you, but it felt very strange, I suppose, partly having kids as well. It didn't really feel like the summer had a start. Like kids didn't finish school. It was now into a new period. It was all just blur since March. So it has been a strange few months, I think. Um, and and with the Premier League on and off again, it's like, who knows what time of year it is. It's just a... It's all over the place. It's so I confusing. Know, it's so, it's yeah. so confusing. I was talking to somebody recently, though, the the sun this sort of irish summer has been i mean at times really spectacular and beautiful and we were just kind of remarking how much more difficult this whole thing would have been you know if it was in the winter if all this like lockdown stuff would happen in the winter i mean it's, it's like a small mercy from god that because it has been a beautiful yeah summer it has and even back march april may time was amazing weather as exactly. well so yeah absolutely yeah. it'll be tough um and we, I suppose today on the or this month on the podcast, we want to talk a little bit about, I suppose, the leading now and what it means to lead now. Um, I don't know for you, I, I think back kind of March, April, May time, I was thinking this um, online thing would be um, short lived and we'd be doing it and September would be kind of a time to start again. And it's strange that it's coming around to September now and we're thinking about what the year ahead looks like and just kind of sense maybe that. It's not the same enthusiasm. I think the last few months, there's been a huge um, challenge to adapt and and do things differently. I think there's exhaustion from from being online uh, lots. And I suppose also you see the the positives of this time. You see the creativity and how people have responded and done things differently. And that's been really interesting to see. It's been excited to see that. Um, But yeah, it does feel like the summer has kind of blurred. um, And I wonder how people are feeling, whether people have got time to take away uh, to get away because I know it was hard to find places to stay and, and be in different places. And I think leadership in church and mission is always difficult. It's always uh, a strain. It's always something that um, brings its own stresses. But I do feel the last few months have been particularly um, difficult for that. I think maybe because it's new, it's different. And um, so people have, have found that harder. And I think there's also the issues that people's jobs have changed. People's jobs have reduced. People have lost jobs. People have been furloughed for time and, and missed part of the job. And there's, I think there's, is there hurt maybe, or is there um, uh, just a, people haven't really 
thought through or, or dealt with some of the, the pain and hurt that, that's happened over the past few months, um, emotional effects to it as well. Um, so we do, I suppose today, want to talk a little bit about what it looks like to lead now, not necessarily reflecting back, but just thinking about the next few months, because I think things have changed and thankfully we're able to move around a bit more, but we probably will be in this hybrid where stuff will be online and stuff will be in person. So talking a little bit about the pressures um, on what it means to lead. And Brian, you read, uh, you came across an article there mm. recently, mm. Uh, which was quite challenging. And I suppose some of the topics we might talk about today are, are quite uh, challenging and will be close to home for some people. But it was quite a, yeah, it was a disturbing article maybe. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't often, uh, you know, share or repost. I mean, there's lots of great stuff on the internet. I just, it's just not a, usually something I would do, even though I'm reading, you know, excellent things and, and bad things, of course. But, um, but man, this just, I think there's something about the poignancy of this, the timeliness of it, but also the, um, the vulnerability, the brutality almost. So this was the the title of this little piece was too many pastors are falling on their swords. And of course we're, we're trying to serve ordinary people who are doing mission, but we also are trying to serve this kind of church leader person who maybe always had a heart for mission, you know, or that's why they got in ministry in the first place. They wanted to see the world one. They wanted to see people's lives transformed by a relationship with Jesus. And, and, and I think you and I are always kind of now meeting and interacting with people who are leaders of churches, pastors, whatever you call them, um, whose heart is kind of quickened and awakened by this idea of mission and the potential of the church. And, but at the same time, I'm learning their pressures and their stresses and what, what is feeling increasingly like almost an impossible job that they've been asked to do, you know, especially with this change dynamic, you know, it's like, it, it's, it's not even like we're saying, just keep leading the church as, you know, as usual. Now, everybody's meant to be sort of a change management expert um, in these things. And so I just, this was, this was about, well, I'll just read you an excerpt. I was on zoom call recently. This is the, the author of this article, uh, a guy called um, Jacob Top, Topper. Uh, I was on a zoom call recently with 10 pastors across three denominations. When one of the participants shared a struggle with suicidal thoughts in these challenging days. And by the time the meeting concluded, four of the 10 had found the courage to admit their own suicidal ideations. Um, he goes on uh, uh, about sort of sharing how congregants were daily emailing them with threats to leave the church if they didn't reopen immediately and withholding their ties until then. Uh, one shared about being fired from the church. Another shared about have, having to lay off half the church's staff members because so many of the church's congregants had lost their jobs and they were unable to give. Um, he, he, he references another pastor he knows who, after preaching a sermon about race one week, had a congregate come to his office, kick his door off its hinges, and attempt to incite the pastor into a fist fight. Wow. Um, one shared the survey results the congregation took about whether they should return to in-person worship or not, which is, I guess, is a sort of controversy right now. Um, and it resulted in a nearly perfect 50-50 split. 
with several members writing in the comments section that they would leave the church if it, one, did not open immediately, or two, attempted to open at all. So this kind of just, I, I, I guess maybe even that last one sort of sums up the, uh, the double bind, the sort of impossible paradox that these guys find themselves in men and women are finding themselves trying to lead churches where where people are so strongly feeling like you better do this or else and forget about people pleasing i mean i know that's always a challenge like how do you keep everyone happy or pleased but you're, you're talking about people just not hating you you know like how, how do you keep half your people from thinking you're horrible um and of course, the, the deeper, scarier underlying thought here is that it's that kind of pressure is causing people in pastoral leadership to break down, to even go so far as to consider ending their own lives. Now, you know, how serious that is, I do know of a couple of cases in the recent news where, where, where people in ministry have taken their own lives. Um, but but the fact that that we're sort of, being pushed to the brink or these leaders are being pushed to the brink. I just think is something worth talking about. I'm not sure. I'm not sure we even know what to say about it, except yeah. that, that maybe it's, it's worthy of reflection yeah. today. And I, I, as we said, I think leadership is always difficult and you always have that divided opinion on, on different things. Um, and yeah, unfortunately there has, there is suicide and there has been suicide all across society. Uh, and it does happen. Um, but I think this, I don't know if it's accentuated or if it's a, a, just a very sudden visceral thing that's there. Um, and, and I think the problem is there's no right answer. For some yeah. churches on, on the 50-50 split about opening, not opening, I think there's a, there isn't a right answer. It's, it's working out what's right for you. And I think it's difficult for people when they're caught in the middle of that because there isn't yeah. an easy way yeah. out and there isn't an easy answer. Um, I think it's it's really sad reading that article, seeing some of the the situations, and I think I've heard similar stories in in Ireland as well about the pressures that people are facing. Um, uh, I know even before the summer, people feeling the pressure of if they didn't have a break, if they didn't have time off, it would be a huge thing. Um, and I think some of the some of the the stories in the article made me think about how people maybe view church and what church is. And I, I suppose this is something mm. we've talked about before, mm. but it's much more of a transactional thing rather than a, a participation mm. thing. You know, it is, if you don't do this, I won't do that. Um, and I think it's, it's dangerous when we get into that area, but you can see how that happened. You, you can see when someone's yeah. paid to do a job, they're there to do the job. But I think there's a lot of people struggling to work out what the answer is, what the way to, to lead the church and, and bring the church in direction. But it's really sad hearing those stories and really sad. Sometimes it leads to suicide. Sometimes there's mental health um, difficulties. There's anxiety, there's depression. And, and we see it a lot. Before. Well, and it's, it's, and it's a knock on effect, isn't it? I mean, the truth is these congregants are scared too. You know, they're, they're experiencing probably their own sense of breakdown and that's, that's kind of cascading into the life of the church. So, I mean, a, a sort of, I don't know, generous or merciful reading of those behaviors of demanding and threatening and, you know, uh, withdrawing and uh, accusing and those kind of things from church members. Um, it's like a cry for help from them too. You know, they're, 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 they're afraid. Everybody's afraid. Yeah. And when people are afraid, they act 
horribly. I mean, they can really, uh, you know, show the worst side of themselves. He, he has a, this guy has a line here. He says, church has always been a place where people can act foolish with little consequences. I thought that was a sort of, uh, poignant and painful statement where people have the space to act out towards clergy in ways that aren't safe to do towards their bosses or their spouses. Interesting. Being a pastor has never been easy, but this is a new level of hell. The pastors are living. I mean, that's an interesting idea. Like could, could, could you sort of, I don't know, challenge your boss or I don't know, even if you were member of a sports team or something, could you go talk to your coach this way or whatever? You wouldn't, you know, necessarily maybe be this uh, fractious, but you know, again, I, I, I feel like because church is such an intimate place for people because it's, it holds in, in some sense, it holds all their hopes and dreams. You know, it's like maybe the world would be this way, but not my church, you know, not my community. And, 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 and so they, when they're afraid and they're kind of, doubling down on their dogmas or their, their even convictions, if in a good sense, um, you know, it, 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 the intensity of that intimate spiritual environment maybe makes it worse. You know, maybe it's kind of gas on the fire of their own fears and anxieties. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, it, it comes down a lot to, I think people in different contexts face different reasons for it. You know, you have the, the guy whose door was, was battened down, whether it was over race or, or whatever it was. And there's other people then who are in places where they walk into a church and people have been there six times longer than they have. And there's a, an ownership and there's a, uh, people have a way of doing things that they want to, they want to do a certain way. Um, but I think, yeah, that kind of mental illness, um, mental health issues it really has i don't know come to the forefront and i think unfortunately there's, there is stuff going on there's people struggling and suffering as we as we share now um and i think because of the way the world is a lot of that hasn't been either diagnosed or hasn't been dealt with i don't think people are having the opportunity to discuss that because there's so much going on there's so much pressure to keep producing and doing stuff that people either aren't taking the breaks aren't taking the time out they're just looking for the next thing. When churches reopen, then we'll be able to do this. Then we'll be able to do that. And a lot of the personal looking after yourself isn't happening. And I think people are missing that. Well, and do you, do you think there's pressure on, well, maybe particularly pressure on pastor types to not have these sort of mental weaknesses or flaws? Like, are, are they are they feeling like, oh, I can't. I can't reveal to my congregation that I'm depressed or that I'm experiencing anxiety attacks or, uh, or even something, something as extreme as suicidal ideation because they'll fire me or because they'll see me as unspiritual. I mean, is that, is that, is that a thing? Do you think that's part of the problem? Yeah, I think it could be for some churches. Um, definitely. I don't think there's the fear of being fired, but I think there's a fear of being vulnerable with a lot of um, leaders. I just think, and even before this time, I think there was the, the pressure, you know, you're not friends with the people that you're working with, you're serving them, but actually there's not a, I don't want to let people in and there's just a fear of being vulnerable. So when it comes to a time like this as well, then that doesn't change. You're still, you still don't want to be vulnerable with the church just because that's not a thing you do. Um, But I think it's so crucial that there's someone in the church or there's someone around the area where you can be that vulnerable with. 
And I, I think there is, and we've talked about this before about leadership and, and showing vulnerabilities. Like it does need to change. That, that's not a healthy way to exist in a church. If you can't be vulnerable, you can't say how you're thinking. Um, yeah, but it's a, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, I, I, know the, I know that feeling where you think, okay, you're looking out at your people whom you love who are afraid, who are feeling anxious, and you want to show them another way. You know, you want to be the person of faith. Yeah. You want to set an example for having hope and, and, and sort of looking at things in a positive way. And if you're also saying, yeah, I'm cracking up here, I'm losing it. Yeah. Then do you feel like you're maybe failing your people when, when what they need right now is an example of, of, you know, fortitude and, and, you know, trust in God and, and positivity. And it's just tricky because then you're not really feeling that, but you feel like that's part of your job. That's part of what you're supposed to present. Uh, but then it becomes an image. It becomes a mask that you're wearing. Yeah. And of course, I just assume it would exacerbate your feelings of isolation and depression and anxiety or whatever it is that you're going through. So somehow there's got to be a way to remain in this sort of spiritual leadership posture while also opening up. Because I, I would say I've seen in a couple of cases, I've seen people be very vulnerable, like like I would even say inappropriately vulnerable with their people to the point where they have lost sight of the fact that they're called to uh, sort of stoke the fires of faith and hope and love in their people. And if, if you, you can be, you can be uh, sort of look at, at sharing about your own life as a catharsis, you know, as a, sort of just, I'm going to talk about how bad it is for me and, and not recognize that you're still a spiritual leader. So I, I mean, do you just, what, you're not bad at that. What do you do? How do you balance the two things? I think you're willing to share openly about if you're how you're feeling or what you're doing, but you you never seem to lose the fact the the reality that I'm still trying to be a leader here, you know, and 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 there's appropriate levels of sharing uh, my pain or my struggles with my people. What, how do we do that? Yeah, it's it is a difficult thing, and I think it really depends on the context. It depends on the person themselves how comfortable they are in doing it because I know. Yeah, when people do share that there's backlash from it and there's a, you know, you've been open and then there's people are talked about and, and things happen and that's difficult. I, I think it is trying to find the right thing for you. It, it, there is, there does need to be some vulnerability. You do need to show vulnerability um, with some people for your own sake, but also for the church's sake. So whether it's with a leadership team, there's more vulnerability there than when you're speaking on a Sunday morning. Um, but it's a, uh, it's a hard one. It's, it's just knowing the people you're talking to. And there, there has to be a massive trust there, I think, as well, um, to be vulnerable. And there has to be a, a strength in your own belief in what you're saying, a strength in knowing that God might use that for his good. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's any easy way to do it. But there has to be a balance between that, being able to lead, but also being able to show vulnerability uh, as we do it. You know, I've found um, in kind of the, the, the dark nights of my life and ministry um even even the most recent kind of experience like that for me i found the psalms to be this incredible rich and maybe everyone listening is kind of like yeah obviously um but maybe maybe i'm you know i'm so new testament uh kind of i'm I'm always i'm sort of reading the new testament all the way through every every four to six months and I just stay there, you know, I live there. But I found the Psalms to be this kind of oasis almost because I think David in particular has this knack for doing what we're just kind of trying to 
to fumble our way through there that he he is so brutally vulnerable and honest about his 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 frustration his anger his sense of betrayal his sense of being left i mean look if you're a pastor out there or a leader and you feel like your people are turning on you or just being unfair or boxing you in a corner or whatever, you are not alone. In fact, this is this, this, this experience, this phenomenon is thousands of years old and it's chronicled uh, by a, 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 a great spiritual leader in King David. And he's always talking about man, why are people treating me this way? Or even, even like my closest friends are doing this to me, turning on me and, and then, and then turning to face God and saying, why are you letting this happen to me? And what does it mean? And can you please help me? So on the one hand, he's sort of, he, can, he can sort of be frustrated with God and with people. But on the other hand, he does deep self-reflection too. He's like, am I, am I the problem? You know, something like Psalm 27 is a good example of that. He's also looking at himself. And then always somehow at the end, bring it back to, I trust you. I, I hope in you, you know, though you slay me, yet will I serve you. It's like he remains this kind of spiritual um, pillar. You know, he, 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 he still is putting his trust in God. So I, 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 I just not an answer. It's not a solution, but it's a place to go, I think, for, um, for our own devotional life and reflection in these kind of tumultuous times because you realize, okay, A, I'm not the first person to experience this. You know, this is just something that leaders experience, period. Uh, and B, there is a way to be honest with God, with people, and yet retain this sort of commitment to trust. Yeah. I think, I, I definitely, uh, for me, I echo that, yeah, absolutely. I think over the past few months, that time to reflect, just when there's a lot of noise, a lot of stuff going on, taking that time just to be still, uh, to reflect, I know I really appreciated some of the more quiet, meditative prayers given space, uh, whereas normally my prayers would be full of words and saying things. So I think uh, that's really important. And, and, and being that honest, you know, we're talking about being honest with other people, but starting with being honest with God, and then it gives us opportunities to be honest with other people. Brian, would you have, do you have any particular thoughts on kind of leading in this time, what's, what's helpful, what might be useful for people to think about like do we have anything that we could offer not well, wise or anything but yeah well i would say first of all i think get off social media i i think mm. i think there is well and and maybe maybe that is proxy for any kind of just intensely anxiety producing environments or ecosystems, which is what they are. I mean, social media is essentially designed right now to create anxiety. So don't be afraid to get off that. And that could feel a little paradoxical because we think, oh, we're supposed to be, we're drawn into the digital space right now. We're supposed to be doing ministry there and so on. I'm, I'm supposed to raise my IQ in that regard. And yet, mm, I don't know. I, I wonder if the solution is actually to dig deep into some ancient things like, like prayer, you know, like get in your prayer closet, spend more time in the presence of God than you are on social media yeah. or, or reading those kind of things. And yeah. that's, that would, that's a tough challenge, but. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good point. Cause I know my phone usage and screen time 
increased a lot over this time. I was doing quite well before this, but it does happen, unfortunately. And I think, I suppose, maybe flowing from that, because social media creates anxiety. And there's that comparison feel as well, where you see someone putting up, this is what right. I'm doing, this is what I'm doing. And I think, for me, one thing to encourage people to do is think about that comparison, not comparing yourself yeah. or your ministry, mission, church, whatever, to other people, because I think that's really easy to do. Um, and we, we see someone doing live streaming, someone opening up, someone not opening up, someone doing different things. And I think at the end of the day, it comes down to, to working through with God, what God has for you in this season, how to lead, and also for your church and taking that time to, to go, I'm not going to compare. I can get ideas. I can look at what other people do and I can learn from other people, but not comparing. I think we need to be reminded what what his church is about going back to what church is. Cause I think we're doing lots of things that aren't necessarily church, but they're just ways of doing the way we used to do church online um, and really seeking God. And also I think being reminded of our call, reminded of why God called us into this and, and sourcing like you're talking about with David, it has to be that one-on-one with God and try yeah. not to compare just with other things that are out there. Yeah. And then, and then probably um, just, good old fashioned friendship, you know, uh, we need, it's almost like the antidote to that, that anxiety is trusted friendships. And unfortunately, a lot of people in ministry don't really have friends. They don't have good friends. So if, if, if someone's listening and they're thinking, this is just more depressing because I'm not sure who I would go lean on. I don't know that I have those kinds of friends that I could be honest with, that I could feel just that, that the warmth of someone's love or approval, you know, that they're not micromanaging or, or, or hyper analyzing everything you're choosing to do for the church. But if you don't feel like you have somebody like that, I just think it's time. Like it may be too important not to figure that out. So even just going to somebody who you like, or you think there is, there is something there, there's, you know, friendship or the, the, the beginning of friendship and just saying to them, can I, c- c- could, could I ask you for friendship for a deeper friendship? Like, could, could, could we spend time together? Could I, could I share a little more of my life and my heart? Like, don't be afraid to ask for it. That's part, that is vulnerable. Um, and that's a, that would be a huge step to just say to somebody, look, I feel like I really could use a friend. Would you, would you consider, would you be willing to be that for me or ask a few people to do it? And you may find that they were feeling something similar. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. It's like in a playground when you're a kid and you just start in school, you just come <laughs> find someone and say, will you be my friend? But it's, I, it is, it's, I think it's, it's one of the most important things I think we could do now. Absolutely. Cause I think the isolation has been really real. And I think it suited introverts to a certain extent, but even introverts need friends and need people. So I think it's one of the most important things we can do. And whether it's a, a colleague, whether it's someone living close to us with, with online ability now, it's not ideal. You prefer to be face-to-face, but there's opportunities to be friends with someone in a different country. If you know of someone who you've been yeah. friends with for a long time. And I think even to add to that, there's, there's also that, you know, um, a friend is, is good, but whether someone needs counseling or some sort of coaching as well, yeah. outside help as well. Yeah. But I think also the friendship thing, not only from a personal point of view, but I think there's opportunities there as, as co-workers, as friends to help each other, not 
not only think through how we're doing ourselves and personally, but also how we're doing with church. How do we share those ideas? How do we learn together? How do we support one another? I think seeing and, and being involved in some of the learning communities that we did kind of towards the kind of April, May, June time, just seeing some of those conversations, some of the opportunities that people had to help one another, to be heard, to um, be encouraged, to be championed. I think that stuff's really important. And I, I think back and probably naively thought that we wouldn't necessarily need this coming in September, October, that we'd be able to start again. I think we, we still need that. We need that personal uh, love and care that you talked about, but we also need that help from coworkers and brothers and sisters in Christ who can help each other think through what we're doing and be supported in that as well. I think that's really another really important thing. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe the overarching advice here, which is, it fits us because we're sort of simple people here, I guess we're, we don't, you're not getting stuff from the top shelf from Simon and Brian, <laughs> but, but it's kind of like, just get, figure out a way to sort of root yourself in the basics or, you know, your relationship with Jesus, your, your family, you know, and, and friends and, and be, be grounded somehow so that when this stuff hits you, when the storm is swirling around you, have, did I ever, did I, have I talked to you about uh, Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers? I feel like I brought that up in an Irish context and everyone just like no idea. Yeah, you did. You did. No Mr. one had Rogers. an idea. You've done that a few times, Brian, but I remember. Thank you. you. Yeah. Well, not just to Mr. Rogers. Lots it's look, being clueless is a skill. It's a you gift. You did mention so. Mr. Rogers, but I don't think we ever had it here, but do explain. Well, okay. So Mr. Rogers would have been a sort of beloved children's television personality. Uh, he had a show called Mr. Rogers neighborhood and, you know, he sang a little song. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's a beautiful day for a neighbor. Will you, won't you be mine? You know, and it was just this warm welcoming and you would come into his home and he had these little puppets and incredibly beautiful. And of course he was a Presbyterian minister. He was an ordained Presbyterian minister. And his story is that he, he actually went to the Presbytery when he was ordained and said, I feel like this is my calling. This is my ministry is to children through television. Like, can you ordain me for that? And not not known for their innovation, the Presbyterians said yes to that and and really did kind of open up this kind of world of ministry for this guy. He's just the sweetest man. I mean, if you if you've seen some of the documentary, you can they're out there, documentaries and a movie, you know, a Hollywood movie was made about him recently. But I didn't know this until recently. I just saw this, but I guess he was good friends with with Henry Nowen. Okay. Um and I, I stumbled across this letter written from Henry Nowen to Fred Rogers, I guess when he was going through a really hard time, like he had been criticized heavily. I think an article had come out criticizing Mr. Rogers, which by the way, if, if Mr. Rogers is getting criticized in ministry, you're going to get criticized. I mean, this, this is probably the sweetest man that the world has ever produced, you know, and, and just, just thought, Kindness should be the prevailing interaction with all human beings, warmth, love. The, you know, his, his interaction with children was profound because he really looked at children and saw who they were and treated them as, as equals, essentially. And you felt that in his work. Um, but he was, also, he was also incidentally willing to tackle really tough issues. You know, like, for example, there's, there's these sort of famous shows that he did where after the assassination of JFK, or during riots or and when the space shuttle exploded and how he would go on and talk to kids about 
stuff like that, things like disabilities. He wasn't afraid to talk about the pain of life, you know. But anyway, Henry Nouwen was his friend, and I guess wrote him this letter, which I stumbled on, and I just want to read like an excerpt from it, um, because Fred Rogers was really hurt by this article criticizing him and really felt shaken. Um, and so he's, this is Henry Nouwen's words to him. It is these little persecutions within the church that hurt the most. I simply hope that you are not too surprised by them. They come and will keep coming precisely when you do something significant for the kingdom. It's always struck me that the real pain comes often from the people from whom we expected real support. It was Jesus's experience and the experience of all great visionaries in the church. And it continues to be the experience of many who are committed to Jesus. He goes on to say, I don't think it makes much sense to argue with the writer of this article. There's some wisdom there. He speaks from a very different plane and he will not be open to your explanations. Some of the criticism we simply have to suffer and see as invitations to enter deeper into the heart of Jesus. I won't send you some of the reviews I get for my books, but some are not very different from the tone of this piece. So I certainly feel a unique solidarity with you. And then he closes his letter. Let us pray for each other that we remain faithful and not become bitter, that we continue to return to the center where we can find the joy and peace that is not of this world. Thank you so much for staying in touch with me. Much love, Henry Nowen. Wow. So, so much about that kind of just sends shivers down my spine. You know, the 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 solidarity of of leaders echoing through time who've said yes to Jesus and who get their butts kicked yeah. in ministry, you know. And also the, the, just the profound beauty of a friend, of somebody just kind of saying, I hear you and I'm with you yeah. and hang in there. Yeah. And what we've chosen to do, um, it isn't like other jobs, you know, and maybe we could, we could sort of moan and complain about it being not fair or extra hard or something like that. But the truth is we've, we've chosen, a, a, you know, as, as spiritual leaders really in any form, when you choose to do that, you you step into this kind of i don't know eternal work and that significance comes in a sense at a price but i i would say it's worth it i would say it's worth it not just not just in the calculation of eternity but even in this life it is still worth it to say that what we do and what we're trying to do and what it is we're kind of fighting for um is hearts and minds and lives of people. I mean, it's it, the, the results are incredible. And when, when there is fruit being born, we have to say there's nothing like it in the world. And we can't forget that uh, during these hard, hard periods, hard times, you know, it's, 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 I always talk about like the, you know, the collision of light and darkness, that, that place where, where light is beginning to penetrate darkness. That that's a, that's a cosmic, you know, battle that that we're stepping into when we do ministry so don't expect it to be easy you know and when it is particularly hard like when you see oh this is what it's going to look like because we all knew okay there's gonna be some hard times in ministry but when they come and they go okay now it has an actual dimension to it like this is what you were talking about and this is horrible and i really want to leave and i really don't want to be a part of this anymore and even so much as thinking about leaving this world you know um 
I, I, I do think that it's somehow we have to ground ourselves in that it, it is worth it. Mm. You know, don't give up. Yeah, and it's great to be reminded uh, of that with that letter from Henri Nguyen. Um, and sometimes we have friends who can, who can support us and encourage us like that. Just as you were sharing that, I think I'm reminded of those words that Jesus called, maybe the first words that the disciples heard, um, uh, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And I think it is being reminded of that what that call was for us personally when times get tough not only our call maybe into ministry or the roles we're in now or the the job that we do or the the missionary we have but also the call just to follow jesus and that is our call it's to follow jesus not follow the church down the road or the church on social media it's to follow jesus and just the last words that the disciples hear as well about surely i'm with you always and and that's an easy thing to say and it's a cliche thing to say but we need to know that in a, in a time like this where the world is all over the place Surely I'm with you always. Surely I'm mm. with you always. Mm. I've been mm. reminded of that. That's good, man. And maybe I'll, I'll, I can close with a couple of lines from the Psalms since that was on my heart. Sure. Um, Psalm 34, the righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Um. Psalm 55, but as for me, I trust in you. And this one really shook me recently. Um, there's, a, there's a line in Psalm 35 that says, the Lord be exalted who delights in the well-being of his servant. You know, for those of us who have said yes to him, we need to remember he delights in our well-being. You know, he's committed to our well-being. Psalm 66, for you, God, tested us but you brought us out to abundance. So there, this, is not the, this is not the end of our stories, you know, yeah. and whatever you're feeling, you know, go, go get a counselor. Don't be afraid to do yeah. that if you need that. Find some friends, but also root yourself in this person who knows you and loves you and is for you and has never actually stopped battling for you as a person and as a leader and for your church and for your people, by the way, who are just scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. You have been listening to Mission Disco, a podcast by Praxis Movement. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Praxis Movement. Subscribe, like, or download this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or online at praxismovement.ie.